What's up, everybody? I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. And this is the Magic Mike Show, episode 347. Mr. Samich. Huzzah! Looking good in your NHC shirt, buddy. <laughs> hey, uh, happy Monday. It is uh, actually almost 80 degrees out there, and I'm not bragging because that's actually too hot for being February 7th, uh, even in L.A. Uh, staying inside with the AC on. How are you doing? 34 and rainy. That's how I'm doing, man. Honestly, trade that you? sounds a little better. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of no. sick of this. We'll trade you. Let's go. <laughs> we'll do, one week. We'll do one week because I think after a week I'll be ready to come back. I bet you. I bet after two days you'll be ready to go back. That's probably true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, listen, we had a great weekend of racing. Uh, Santa Anita moved the Robert B. Lewis and the, the Las Virginia Stakes to Sunday. So we got back-to-back days with some big Kentucky Derby prep action. So we're going to talk all about what we saw this weekend. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, it'll be a very interactive show. We're going to be talking all about what we thought about the fields and the horses. So any questions or comments, guys, throw them in the chat. it be a lot of fun. Before we get into it, Mike, what is the best thing you saw this weekend? I'm going negative Nancy. I'm going Uh-oh. the worst thing I saw this weekend. Is it Tampa Sunday? It's Tampa Bay on Sunday. Oh, oh my God, what a shit show. Um, okay, so they they had a $93,000 carryover. I rarely, rarely ever leave and look at Tampa, right? Just for tournaments generally. They have a $93,000 carryover. Final five races on the card, pick five. Uh, it rains overnight, so they, they designate the turf as a good turf course. 15 minutes to post to the start of the pick five. They say, we're going to take three of the five races in the sequence off the turf. Horses in the paddock. (laughs) And we're not going to delay the start. They literally, none of the ADWs had scratches up when they broke from the gate for three of the five races in the pick five sequence. It is unbelievable that they did not delay that sequence. And it's also like infathomable that they didn't just take them off the turf at the start of the day. Like, why in the world are you pulling them off the turf at that point? And by the way, they left two main track onlys in the entire day. So it's not like they weren't even thinking about it. So the right. handling of this was just atrocious from beginning to end. Um, it's just one of those things where it's like, just do better, man. This isn't even hard. Like, just take them off the turf or don't take them off the turf. But don't wait until the 15 minutes before the first post and then take them off the turf because that really makes it just an absolute shit show. It just it was freaking be- or brutal, man. It was just, just absolutely brutal because, like, you spend time handicapping. You put your tickets together. You're spending all this time on construction. Where's my big opinions? Where's my singles? And then they just rip your heart out by taking these off the turf and destroys the sequence too. They cost yeah. themselves a ton of money because they took these races off the turf. And they cost themselves even more money because they took them off the turf and didn't tell anyone until 15 minutes before so no one could handicap the damn thing. Anyway, rant yeah. over. Do better, Tampa. Come on. It was rough. I was on the uh, America's Best Racing is doing the thing uh, with Santa Anita where they're actually they're giving away a free trip to Santa Anita Derby, including airfare, hotel, $500 wagering voucher, which is pretty awesome. So go check that out. But they asked me to be on Sunday. Um, I guess every, literally everybody else on the team must have uh, had obligations. So they, they called in magic. So uh, I got to talk uh, about the Robert B. Lewis stakes with them on their live feed yesterday. Point being, Ren Carruthers, who covers Tampa extensively, 
all over social media and great handicapper was on the show with me and that's what she started with and was actually before the show she would like gave everybody a warning that there might be people angry about Tampa in the chat and she explained what happened and she uh more or less in nicer words but basically said the same thing you did Mike yeah, it's brutal it just sucks as a better I mean it's another example of, of just terrible management decisions and it's not even hard management decisions like this one's freaking easy man just don't do that like and if, if you're going to take it off when you took it off fine delay it for a half hour Right. Just, just, and even if you want to condense the post times later to shorten it up, that's fine too, because you still want to end at the same time. But give betters a chance to at least like look over the races for dirt and be able to reconstruct their tickets and, you know, know who's running, because that helps too. I, I like to know who's in and who's out of the race when I'm, I'm picking, you know, the, the fourth race in the pick five sequence. So just, just do better, man. And this is just, it's just shooting yourself in the foot. It's just really, really dumb. Uh, Alex in the chat says, even, and uh, Alex even handicapped with possibility of off the turf because of the MTOs and still had trouble. Ended up going four or five, uh, left one winner off in the leg one because you scratch horses in a turf race. So Alex is unlike Alex would have been uh, cashing that that pick five and, and probably one of the lucky few based off of how uh, wacky everything. Although, would anybody know that they won? Would you know you had a winning ticket? Well, you know what got even crazier is the first race in the sequence. Okay, an eighteen to one shot wins. There's a jockey's objection and a steward's inquiry. The jockey objection is the five horse against the three horse. Okay. Now the five horse finished fourth and the three horse won the race. I'm sorry. The five horse won the race. The three horse finished fourth. They go through 10 minutes of blinking these numbers. And then they take the four down because the four was the stewards inquiry, but they never told us the four was being looked at. So they, they literally blink two horses, then take a different horse down. It was just, mm -hmm. it was an absolute. So everyone who had the favorites, like, Oh, maybe I'm gonna get lucky here. And, and we're going to take the 18 to one shot down. The favorite gets put up. And then they take the favorite down and put him in fourth. After all of that, you're just like, what's going on? Anyway, oh, what's the best thing you saw this weekend, Magic. Oh, horse racing. <laughs> um, God. Uh, the best thing that I saw is um, it. W I wanted to say the NHL All Star stuff because I was planning on watching it this morning, but then uh, just didn't ran out of time. The, the Colson had a weird sleep schedule, so didn't get a chance to do it. So I'm going to look into that. Did you get a chance to watch the All Star game or not? I don't even care about the game, the skills competition, because the stuff you promoted it last week on the show and you made it sound like it was going to be cool. And it sounds like it was. Yeah, I watched the skills competition. It was a lot of fun. Uh, there was blatant cheating by John Hamm for Alex Petrangelo at one point. Uh, but the stuff on the Bellagio well, Fountain, I thought was actually pretty cool. Um, it was fun to see fastest skater get go to a blue. So that was cool. I'm always a sucker for like the accuracy competition, things like yeah. that. So, yeah, I thought it was a good time. The game itself was a, a f awful. So was the Pro Bowl. I watched both of them for like five minutes. I'm like, these, they're not even like close nope. to trying. Like not even close to trying. They didn't even tackle anyone in the Pro Bowl. It was a joke. Yeah, I don't. I usually don't bother with the. Definitely not with the Pro Bowl. I haven't watched an All Star game since I was a kid. Uh, probably for about that reason. It was the best thing that I saw. Is that uh, leading up to the Pegasus World Cup? We, uh, you were at NHC, so I had Barry Spears on the show. Barry's hitting the big time. Barry's on TVG last weekend. Did you see that? I did. I saw. Uh, it. it was awesome to see him on there. It was so cool. I was so happy. But I was like, I, I messaged him right after. I was like, damn, man. Like, I'm glad we could help you make it to the big time. <laughs> the, uh, no, seriously, Barry. Uh, we were lucky to have Barry on because his, his star has been rising for a bit. So I just thought it was so cool that he got to be on there. He was on with Ken Rudolph. Um, at one point, his daughter, uh, her nickname is Breezy, showed up for a little bit. So it was a lot of fun. But it was just really cool seeing Barry there because the guy loves horse racing. Mm -hmm. He wants everything to be good in horse racing. He he, he just wants the best for it all. So uh, it was great to see him get his, his first chance on TVG. And I think based off the reaction that it got, I think he's coming back again soon. 
Yeah, I'd hope so. I mean, really smart guy, really sharp handicapper. Uh, absolutely loves the game, like you said. All, just a really all around good dude too. I mean, that's that's part of the reason why everyone loves Barry. I mean, he's just he's a genuinely good guy, uh, and he's himself, which is, I think is awesome as well. So it's just you know, love Barry. Glad to see he got the opportunity. Glad to see he knocked out of the park, and hopefully gets uh, gets to be on there, you know, many more times. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was. Um, uh... I've got, I had a, a damn it. I'll think of it when the break there. I had a story about Barry. I'll think about it. let's, uh, we're going to talk about the Kentucky Derby press while I think about this stuff. Uh, let's get into it. Mike Riders up. take a look uh, we're gonna go back to Gulfstream Park on Friday February 4th this was the feature race race night it's part of the Stronic 5 that unfortunate well I guess I'll say fortunately because uh, I was definitely not correct in some races uh the Stronic 5 but uh was the feature race and we were all excited about it because of American Icon who was your fortified favorite here and a good effort from him but in due time foo, flew right past uh, a little mad Mike just because uh, I wish I'd put him on the ticket that didn't work because I talked to all about him I said listen I'm gonna have a second horse on the ticket it would be in due time uh run away with this huge effort gets a 92 buyer what did you think just focusing on this race for a moment what do you think about in due time here um I, I i thought in due time ran really well this is tough though i mean because like american icon and uh ironworks both hyped out of their mind right so judging in due time's performance it's important to kind of be able to properly judge those two horses and i just don't have a good idea of how good they are because this was both of their second starts um and if if they're both good horses in due time is in the gate in the derby and, and could be a threat there right if they're you know hidden scrolls then he'll be lucky to make the gate right like, and that's that's where it's really tough because and you mentioned this on the show he, he was a logical contender to take a big time step forward here and and he did just that for kelly breen really appreciated the time uh aaron and i talked about not this time as one of those up-and-coming sires like it's his third crop this year um done a wonderful job that horse done a wonderful job producing winning children and, and just this is another example of one of those horses that wants more distance was able to absolutely uh air and open up when he able to, was able to get it never looked like a loser in this race um I, I mean, this is one of those that's going to definitely go on to the next step in Florida. We're going to see in a points race, and I would expect is going to be one of the shorter prices. I mean, I thought this was a really impressive performance, uh, and I, I'm, I'm excited to see what in due time can do moving forward. You're definitely getting 10 to 1 on him next out. And Hey, do me a favor. Pull up the future the the future thing that you have, even if you want to use the one that you tweeted out, because uh, we're going to go through that and talk about futures. And Nick, he, uh, true to form, in due time. Uh, went from 250 to one in Vegas to like 20 to one after the win. Somebody hammered him. Yeah, well, somebody probably saw that and thought shit. Uh, also, talked about it on the show, but in due time is owned by Edge Racing. Edge Racing is like my racehorse, but if you want more than like a 0.001% ownership, if you want a real fat, like sizable percentage, they've only had, I think, six runners so far for Edge Racing, but uh, they have a horse that already won a grade three last year, another not this time. Um, they've, uh, multiple horses, by the way, bred by Gary and Mary West, which I thought was interesting out of six, I think four of them, uh, don't understand the connection there. Anyways, uh, point being here, uh, we're going to look at the future wages here. We talked through some of the horses and, and Mike's got it up on the screen. If you are listening to the podcast, we'll do our best to, uh, to keep referencing what we're talking about numbers wise. But, uh, if in due time is two fifty to one in Vegas, now 20 to one, uh, that puts him up very near the top there. Uh, but I don't, I don't think he was listed yet overseas. Yeah. 
And this is as of this I pulled yesterday or last night. So so as of last night, he was still not listed. I'll check right now to see if a new time has popped up yet. Um, but he, I mean, this is one of the horses that kind of broke onto the scene this weekend. And it's we talked about this a little bit on the live stream we did Saturday. I think this is really exciting Kentucky Derby trail with or without the Bafferts. Uh, there still isn't that horse that's kind of absolutely pulled away and, and blown it up. Um, and here you see Messier at 25 to one. I believe this is actually different now as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I got another one here. Let me, let me, uh, I'm going to jump out of this, keep talking and I'll pull up. The sure. Other yeah. One. No worries. I'll put, we'll go back to the chart here. Um, anyway, the point out of this, I think we don't have to linger on it for too long, but uh, something that, uh, by the way, over at racing sorry, youtube.com slash racing news and on our site, uh, we've got a video Aaron and I talked about in due time a little bit more in depth and we talked about the race and uh, the chances for him moving forward and, and it worked. Aaron brought up a great point that in due time got the right pace set up too. Uh, American icon got pushed pretty hard early. Uh, the horses that were with him, they kind of fell off a little bit behind and in due time just swept right around him and did what he's supposed to do. So if you want more thoughts, uh, from Aaron on in due time, that video is premiering in about 45 minutes. So you can check that out. Uh, but Mike's got the, the newer odds pulled up here and let's see, it is in due time featured in this one. Yeah. 28 to one overseas now. Yeah, I mean, like uh, like Nick mentioned, in the chat dropping from 250 to 28 is a monster move, especially when you had a couple of horses take step forward, steps forward this weekend too. So a uh, huge move down there. I have no interest in due time at 28 to one. I think that's you know you got White Barrio sitting there at 25, Epicenter sitting at 33. I would rather take either of those horses, rather take you know Emmanuel at 25 to one than any of those three. But in due time seems a little bit short, and the hype might be a little too big off of that race. Uh, this is we always talk about this, but this is a great. Um, example of why these overseas markets are so easy to take advantage of if you're if you if you make the right bets. Rocket Dog is forty five to one. I still don't think he's had a work since he since Epicenter beat the shit out of him in the Gun Runner. Uh, yeah, it's not good. I mean, Jack Christopher is saying there's your sixth choice of twenty to one, and Chad Brown pretty much said no chance. Yeah. <laughs> so I, there's they, they, some of the vig gets that's eaten by these bad numbers, and so you're able yeah. to get better numbers on other horses, and it, you know <laughs> if if. And we'll talk a lot about Baffert, obviously, today. But if the Baffert doesn't run a horse, three of the top six horses here, not in the Derby. So you're guaranteed that you're taking out three of the worst prices. So it's interesting when you kind of look at these odds. That is so crazy. Wow. And Chasing Time hasn't even earned a single point yet. He's looking okay, but uh, still a long ways to go for him. Uh, the point being, if you liked American Icon or even, I'd say, Ironworks from this race, they'll probably go to Derby Trail Preps. Uh, Ironworks, I, he's probably going to go to Tampa if Pletcher wants to send him there. Um, American Icon, I think he deserves a shot in, in another prep as well as in due time, don't you? Yeah, I mean, look, you, especially with the way we saw gun runners run going two turns and like how, how much they improved. Um, and, and, you know, obviously we're going to talk about a gun runner horse again. We had a gun runner win at the Breeders' Cup as well. Uh, I would be very surprised if you don't see um, American Icon going in a, in a prep in Florida next time out. Uh, Chris, by the way, would, uh, joined in on the America Best Racing. Uh, it's good to see him back in the chat. But with, uh, Chris, I appreciated you joining. It was nice to have uh, some carryover from Magic Mike. I don't know. Maybe Chris is a regular watcher. I'm going to pretend that I brought him uh, yeah. yesterday to the feed. Uh, let's stay at Gulfstream Park. Let's go ahead to Saturday now, a race that you and I have every reason to be very excited about. White Abario crushing the Holy Bull Stakes. Uh, a very nice uh, field in this uh, race, Mike. Boy, I don't know. White Barrio, to me, the more I watch the replay, I get excited. But uh, there were some really good horses in here. They'd be. I think of of the four preps that were well preps. We're gonna count the last one as well. I thought this was the deepest one, and so to me, this was not the most impressive visually. But I thought, like, all right, this I feel really good about White Barrio after this. 
Yeah, I mean, he he did everything right. Uh, he tripped out for sure. I mean, that's, we got to at least make sure we mention that this was the perfect trip. Everything that you could you could ever expect from it. Uh, I was able to sit just outside the early speed, which was Galt in this spot, which is kind of surprising. Uh, simplification yeah. didn't really get out of the gate well, and so we got to talk a little about simplica- simplification as well. Who went completely against his normal running style and was able to still run for second here. Uh, but White Barrio just looked great. I mean, looked like the, by far the best horse in this race, was able to sit outside, stock, and pounce on Gall. And once he got by Gall, it was over. Like, there was never even a sweat in this race, which was which was nice. Um, it, nice to see that the morning workouts, which were supposedly going very well for White Barrio, that translated to the afternoon, got to see him run a big race. Again, I'm not sure. I, I really think this is a true derby contender. Um, but it's definitely one of the top five or six performances we've seen from a three-year-old so far. So if we can continue to progress, and that's the key with White Barrio is, you know, we, we haven't really seen Safi on the Derby trail before. How is his, how are his horses going to progress over a three, four race progression leading up into the Derby? And are we going to improve race over race and then have that huge effort in the Derby, which is really what you need from horses like this. But I will say this, I mentioned on the live stream, if you can pick one style, this is the style you want to win the Kentucky Derby. You want that horse that has tactical speed that can sit right off the lead Make the move on the far turn and play catch if you can in the stretch because everyone who's behind you has to weave through traffic and figure a way around going 10 wide, 12 wide, whatever it is, and you're sitting two to three wide and you get first run on the leaders. And that is what was producing winners if it wasn't someone going wire to wire. So love this, the style you have from White Barrio. It's going to be all about the progression now. Uh, speaking of progression, uh, you talked about Safi Joseph, and yeah, he really doesn't have that many horses. He did have New York traffic two years ago, and that was the COVID year, but uh, if you go back and look at New York Traffic's run, he started in January with an allowance win at Gulfstream, went to the Risen Star, got third in February. The Louisiana Derby was second in March, and so he was ready to go to the Kentucky Derby and have that big effort right there. Just didn't get to happen. He's second in the Matt Win, He's second in the Haskell. And then we get to the end of the year and the wheels fall off because it's been a long campaign. He's been facing some strong horses. So uh, Safi said that the next stop for him, he said, is the Florida Derby. And then Kentucky Derby start number three. Uh, I'm, I'm more bullish on him partly because we have him in the fantasy league. Uh, we're very big fans of horses that can keep us out of last place in the fantasy league. So, uh, But I think with his running style, like you talked about, I think it's going to make him very dangerous continuing to move forward. If this is a year where we, if we do not get any Bob Bafferts, it becomes pretty wide open. And then I'm going to put this horse right near, maybe like second is where I've I mean, got him. If we're not using any Baffert horses right now, even with the Bafferts, I think it's pretty wide open. I have, I have, I have White Abari probably in the third or fourth spot right now in my top five. Um, it, look, I, I think there's a really interesting comment I want to talk about here, real quick. Yeah, so that's that's awesome. I did not know that, so that's very mm-hmm. interesting. I heard he was he actually, working well. He missed in the two. He missed two workouts, and Safi almost didn't run him. He's like, eh, we'll try it. I think Chris brings up a great comment here. The Florida Circuit looks 10x better than. Oh last my gosh, year. yes. Uh, dead on. And to me, the California circuit looks 10x worse than it did last year. And so it's it's interesting kind of watching these circuits go through the fluctuations you see year for year, the trainers, who what horses they get, how good they are, how much they progress from two to three, because uh, obviously you don't always know how that's going to go. But you, you look at kind of the California circuit. I'm not so sure that's a very good circuit at all. You look at Florida. This seems like the best one right now. Uh, we'll talk a little about New York, and then we'll talk some about the, the number discrepancy that we're going to see from, from the Florida and New York races, because that was one of the big conversations that came up as well. But yeah, right now, to me, Florida looks like the best circuit, um, which you know gives way to Barrio a step up. Now, we haven't seen Smile Happy come back. We'll see where he ends up and, and kind of how that fluctuates these circuits, because he right now would be on the top of my list. Yeah, so this is why I'm going to say that the fairground circuit is going to be the best one two years running. It's because that's where Smile Happy is going. Risen Star Stakes in two weeks for Smile Happy. Uh, we have Epicenter. Epicenter is a beast. Uh, has looked like a beast so far. 
Um, but the, we're going to talk about uh, Nick brought it up or very top of the chat. The Kentucky Jockey Club is becoming a key race more and more often. Uh, DRF, I hope you're okay with me doing this. We're going to jump in and I'm going to pull up the, uh, the, the, the past performance is actually the chart here from the Kentucky Jockey Club. Smile Happy wins. We haven't seen him since then, but it reportedly been working out like a monster. Um, the fact that he was working out with Tiz the Bomb and Tiz the Bomb took a shit in this race. I'm not worried about it. We can talk about him in a second. Yeah. But White Barrio exits. Ends up winning. Um, you've got Ben Diesel, who, uh, you know, he didn't win in, in Oakland, but he got third in the Southwest. Probably not a key horse. Call me Midnight. Yep. Very low down here in this race. Uh, seventh. Ends up beating Epicenter at the last second in the Lecompte Stakes. Now, he might not end up being a Kentucky Derby threat. You know, some people say maybe he got a little lucky there. Can he do it twice? But regardless, this race is coming back very strong. And Smile Happy once again uh, in two weeks in the Risen Star. Big fan of Epicenter. <laughs> be interesting it's gonna be interesting to see him come back i mean i i'm not you know it's a run happy horse you don't generally think oh derby trail right so like that's that's one of those you kind of scratch your head so it'll be interesting to see how he comes back how he runs and, and you know if he can continue to do what he did around two turns because that that kentucky jockey club also felt like it set up perfectly for him so we'll see if if you know that was a setup race or if he's that good and uh, Nick mentioned it. He clarified it. I've got it on screen here. But he got uh, Classic Causeways returning in the Sam F. Davis uh, this weekend. And he's looking, He's a pace presence horse. And so especially at Tampa, that makes him a threat uh, well, as well. If you're looking at the uh, – sorry, go ahead, Mike. I was going to say, he's sitting there 50-1 to 1 right on the bottom of the screen. I mean, if he wins at Tampa, that 50-1 to 1 is going to look a lot like 20-1 to 1, real quick. And so if you believe that's a key race, uh, it might not be a terrible time to drop like a fiver on him or something. Um, the, where is he? Uh, smile happy is even 14 to one. And if you, if this race keeps going like this, smile happy is not going to be 14 to one, the Kentucky Derby. So that's a value. I am very angry. And I talked about this, uh, the podcast we did after the last Kentucky Derby pool closed. I had that terrible stomach bug, uh, stomach bug when that pool was happening. I never saw way to borrow at 171 to one. I would have put $5 on him at that day at 171 to one. Cause I mean, it's $5 if he flyer. 171 to 1, he's 25 to 1 right now overseas. When the Derby pool actually opens, he's going to be 15 to 1, 12 to 1. Yep, totally agree. And I mean, Smile Happy was 20 to 1 last weekend, and because of White Barrios, when we went from 20 to 14 here. So it's interesting watching these odds moves, even when the, the horses don't run. But yeah, that 171 to 1 is a now long, long, long gone. So mad about that one. Uh, let's talk about some more horses. Uh, simplification missed the break. I think uh, I bet him in this race. So I'm definitely going to play him moving forward and scratch this off. I don't think two turns bothered him. He's got that front-running style. Um, so I definitely like him moving forward. Mo Donegal, I think we're seeing he's kind of a plotter. I think this could be a great horse if you want to target the Belmont Stakes. I don't think he's got it much of a shot in the Kentucky Derby. But if they can get a little bit more speed in him, maybe adjust it with some, uh, some uh, blinkers or something, change him up. If he gets a little more speed, the Belmont could be a good race for him. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm already – this horse is going to, like, run pretty good in the Florida Derby. And then he's going to be the wise guy horse in the Kentucky Derby, and I'm going to – completely fade him like you can just feel it coming now right i mean immediately after that race everyone's like terrible trip for mo Donegal. awful trip and i go back and like yeah it wasn't great but he was also like being scrubbed on on the backstretch to try and get that horse going again he's a plotter he, yeah he, he just he, you know he just wants to run all day but doesn't want to run that fast all day right i mean you know it's belmont the, it's, the, it's the lazy guy in the treadmill who's going way slower than he needs to just so he can you know get through the 15 minute workout i, I just I'm not sure I really want any piece of Mo Donegal at the odds you're going to see him at consistently because he's going to get bet every race. He just is. He's, he has been so far. He's going to continue to get bet. Uh, you know, I don't think the trip was as bad as everyone makes it out. I think he kind of made his own trouble in this race too. Um, it, it, he's one of those horses I just think is going to get, have, you know, 
quote unquote, a tr- troubled trip because he's going to be five or six wide because he's not fast enough early to not be five or six wide. So I- I'm just not that interested in this one. And if, like, even if you look at now, look at his, his comment lines there. First race, slow, slow break. Let me pull that back up again. I'll read it again. Uh, first race, step slow. Second race, off step. Th- fourth race, slow break. Like, you know, the, the th- third one, he got bumped at the break. So at least there's an excuse there. But like the other three, he was just slow out of the gates. That's not something you can do in the Kentucky Derby. Doesn't go so, well. So Nick says, isn't this the same horse that Pletcher and I read had last year in the Florida Derby, which was known agenda, which is what happened with known agenda. They put blinkers on him. I pulled this up to check to make sure Mo Donegal's never had blinkers. Put blinkers on that horse. Worst thing that happens is, oh, it, he doesn't do any better. And you go, okay, we've got ourselves a good grade three horse here. But I think you put blinkers on him, try it out, and see if that gets a little bit more speed in him uh, to move forward. <laughs> He's known agenda two electric boogle. I love it. Um, <laughs> uh, the next horse I want to talk about here, uh, a little spin wheel. Uh, that horse, is he likes to come from behind. He's always going to be, you know. Coming for, coming late. You want to play him underneath the Superfecta in the Florida Derby. That's a good spot. Tis the Bomb, the turf horse that won the uh, the Mutual for the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf, uh, clearly did not like the kickback. And so Kenny McPeak says, we're going to give him one more shot on dirt, Mike. So thanks. Is it going to be 9-2 to again? Because, boy, at 6-1 to one on White Barrio here was a, was a nice price. Yeah, I, I couldn't understand that at all, man. He doesn't look like a dirt horse. You can tell by the, like, we, no. you know, I made this point on the live stream, then Jared copied my point immediately after. They they had That's him on funny. dirt. When he, they got, he got rained off turf, he wins on dirt, and they go right back to turf. That's all you need to know. When you have a talented two-year-old that wins in a rained off race, and they don't go to dirt next, it's a turf horse, period. Because everyone wants to chase the derby, and that gives you the opportunity to say, oh, we can take steps forward, not let's go to turf, you know? like. And then they try and bring him back here, and you can tell immediately watching the race. It's like, no, he hates this. He hates this right now. So, um, I mean, I don't know if it's the ownership group. I don't know if it's McPeak. Like, I'm not sure who was making the decision because a lot of times owners are like, no, we're going for the Black Derby. We already we have a grade one. We have black. We have grade one win on turf. We might as well try and go and get a grade one on dirt. It helps the stud value. I mean, I get all that stuff. So that we don't know why this is the route they're going, but I agree with you. I mean, if they end up on traditional dirt again, this is going to be a hard play against. Synthetic, it gets a little more interesting. Synthetic, you're like, oh, man, I don't know. He could actually run decent if they end up, you know, at Turfway Park and, and they're running him in the center. And then they'll go to Jeff Ruby. He'll get enough points to get making make the Kentucky Derby because, uh, spoiler alert, nobody from California is going to be in the Kentucky Derby this year. Baffert's eating all the points over there. So you, you get fourth and third in the Jeff Ruby, you're going to the Kentucky Derby. And then he, maybe he's the wise I don't know. Um, just put the horse back on turf before you ruin him. Uh, Phoenix Thoroughbreds owns him. I'm going to say Phoenix Thoroughbreds is the one pushing the buttons to say uh, go to the Kentucky Derby. Um, you got a couple of failed Bitcoin or cryptocurrency things to try and uh, make their money back on. Uh, giant game. This is the last one I want to talk about. Um, I'm sure you do. <laughs> I need to explain something here. When we're talking fantasy league and I'm being an asshole about things, I'm an asshole to all 45 horses that aren't on my team. So do I actually hate all of those horses? No. Do I actually hate Giant Game? I have no reason to. Do I? Did I think he was a turd going in and was going to be a turd in the race? Yes. Was I correct? Yes. Uh, are all of his owners the the Swifties on like horse racing Twitter? Uh, my DMs say so. Y'all some real sensitive. <laughs> that was uh, y'all did not like what I was saying about him. Here's the thing: he's going to get tie back surgery. He had a soft palate displaced. Does that make him better? 70% chance that he comes back better from that, uh, according to science. I looked up the, what the records are for horse races. Um, do I want him after that? No. He's going to come back. Aaron said it perfectly. He's like, we've seen this before. He's going to come back, 
20 to 1 in like one of these dumb prep races that's 100 points. He's going to get third late. He's going to be one of the wise guy horses in the derby. Look, he got fixed. And then we're never going to see him again. That's Giant Game's trajectory. Sorry if you don't like the facts. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't like Giant Game going into this race. I mean, like, I was higher on him than you were. Um, and uh, there was obviously the excuse, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. That's uh, right. Obviously, he had an excuse in this spot. So we'll see what happens with coming back. But I agree. I mean, it, it, the, the progression likely is going to be third in a points race into the derby. And then wise guy horse. And then it's another one that you fake. Because, again, I don't really love his style. And he backed up pretty hard here. Uh, it was – I mean, the anchor came down fast. It was a giant anchor that was dropped around the turn. Listen, I, I mean, it was, what, an hour or so after the race was over and West Point Thoroughbreds, who's his main owners, tweeted out that that's what happened. And you watch the replay, you can tell. He hit six furlongs. And when it was yeah. time to go <gasps> and run, he went <gasps> and, and he choked. And it's, it's a medical thing, hopefully. Listen, I want the horse to get better. I don't want a horse running like that. He's got talent. I'm just, I'm sorry. If you think this horse had a lot of a strong chance to win the Kentucky Derby, he, he's with the wrong trainer. At this point, he's with the wrong trainer. Sorry. You ready to move on to the Withers? Let's talk did about I, early voting. Did I, did I trigger, is it, do we have any, uh, any, any of his owners here in the, in the chat? We'll see. Uh, Derby Pan is a giant game, is a giant bust. Send giant game to the turf. I, maybe you could send him there. He's got the breeding giants. Causeway can go uh, both ways, definitely. So, uh, you know, no issue there. And then Michael Hargis, first timer, love you guys. Forbidden Kingdom is his derby horse. Let's take it. We haven't talked about the Withers, and that race kind of sucks, anyways. Let's do Michael a favor because he's first timer here. Uh, Forbidden Kingdom is his derby horse. Uh, where is he? 25 to 1. He's currently 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, uh, 8th, tied for 8th right now. Uh, what do you think about Forbidden Kingdom? Mike is the American Pharaoh Colt that won the San Vicente Stakes. It's going to be interesting to see if he can get the mile and a quarter. I mean, that would be my biggest biggest concern around Forbidden Kingdom is, is stretching him out further and further. I think he was racing against horses that wanted longer in that race, um, you know, specifically Doppelganger. And so it'll be interesting to see. I, I, I believe, if I remember correctly, two of the, the Baffords beat him on the gallop out as well, which, you know, I'm not a huge gallop out guy, but it is something that I'll at least take a peek at. So it'll be interesting to see how Forbidden Kingdom does as they kind of we get further and further into the derby uh preps and they get longer and longer i i do think this is nick's comment uh the main contestants who do you think would be on the lead in the backstretch i think forbidden kingdom is in that discussion i think he could yeah. definitely be one of those horses who is forwardly placed in the derby and might be trying to take it on as is the horse that we're about to talk to as we transition back into the withers here um i think early voting might be the other one that you're going to see up front and, and I, that was what i was most impressed with with early voting was how Ortiz was able to get him out of the gate and get him toward the front of the, the lead. Now, the times don't look blazing fast here, but 23-2 and two, going a mile and an eighth over Aqueduct's surface right now, and that thing was sloppy, is fast. I mean, that is a fast, fast opening quarter. And I've been watching Aqueduct quite a bit the last three weeks. Love the pick six there, the $1 denomination uh, with the no jackpot pools. You're not seeing anyone going 23 and change going seven furlongs. <laughs> let alone going a mile and an eighth. So uh, I don't think you can underestimate how fast that 23 and uh, 23 and two was actually for, from a time perspective. Um, he reminded me of his sire Gunrunner when he came bolting out of there. I remember Flo was it? Oh God, was it the Breeders' Cup? Pegasus. I think it was the Pegasus because he was drawn outside and he had to hurry up and get over it. Uh, but Flo was so good with Gunrunner. Actually, pretty much every start, it was just like he was gone. And you get that quick early feat. And this is, uh, we'll talk about Messier in a little bit, uh, something that John Velasco said he did with him. And a reason why I like Forbidden Kingdom is the same that you did to be an early pace setter is you get that early turn of foot, you get an establish the lead in the turn, like what early voting did. And then you slow down on the backstretch and you take a breath. You look at uh, the fractions there, 23 and a half. 
then 48 flat. Okay, we're going pretty good there. And then 114 and 0.29. Uh, they went slow down the backstretch, and that was Jose Ortiz going to let the horse catch his breath, get a second wind, hit the turn, and when you turn it on and go, he did what, he, what you needed to. Now, the big concern here, or not big concern, but, but big uh, discussion point, early voting, when we watched it, it looked pretty good. You get to 78 buyer, and you're like, wow. I mean, I know the aqueduct circuit's usually not that great, but give the horse a chance here. I was thinking, you know, low 80s, 80, mid 80s for him. But then you look at the time form numbers, they're really high compared yeah. to that. So uh, let's talk about that for a second. Because White of Barrio, 97 buyer, uh, early voting 78 buyer. But when you look at the time forms, they were, what, 109, 106 were the, the, the differences between the two. They were almost the same. They were they're close enough that you can consider them pretty much equal. Why is that, Mike? Well, okay, so it's it's kind of, to me, it's how the numbers are constructed, right? And also, let's be clear. Aqueduct running a mile and an eighth is a nightmare for number makers, first off. Like, there yeah. aren't any other mile and eighth races on super sloppy aqueduct tracks. You compare this number two for only three-year-olds. This is like the only time you see three-year-olds go mile and eighth at aqueduct, which is why it's wild that this is a derby prep going this distance right now because it's, it's so hard to make any type of accurate figure. Now, time form takes into account how fast was the early pace, how fast they come home, how, how is that compared to other things. A buyer number is all about how fast they came home, right? So that they're looking at different metrics when they come up with these numbers. And as I mentioned earlier, the 23 and two is going to give you a monster early time form number because that is so fast compared to what anyone else is running over this track. The final time, 55 and four, well, it seems slow is not that bad because of how bad the track is. So you're going to get a much bigger time form number when you see something like this. And at least my experience, you're going to see a bigger time form number here because early voting was so impressive early. And that's something that the buyer doesn't really take into account, right? And so because of that, you're getting a big time time form number that's really boosted by that early part. Really impressive performance, but the buyer doesn't show up that impressive because of how slow the final, you know, if you look, they came home in 14 seconds, the final furlong. You're not getting a monster buyer when you come home in 14 seconds. Uh, Nick in the chat says, Craig Milkowski, who is the time form U.S. figure maker, main figure makers, uh, mentioned something about early voting's pace factor or attributing to his higher number in time form. Um, or early voting's pace. I'm sorry, I misread that. About early voting's pace attributed to his higher number on tie form. Yep. I mean, this would be like a 132 red for the for the first quarter of a mile, first half mile, because you're going 20 sub, sub 23.6 and then 24.5 for those two internal fractions. Those are going to be very fast for a mile and eight at Aqueduct. That's flying at Aqueduct for a mile and eight. So you have very fast early internal fractions. Something that time form takes into account. Something that buyers do not. And so because of that, you're going to see a significantly higher time form number. Or you, I would expect a higher time form number. Aaron brought up a good point when we were talking about early voting, which again, that video will be coming out a little later at our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash racing dudes uh, with all these Kentucky Derby uh, prep race winners talking all about their potential moving forward. And Aaron wasn't very overly high on early voting because in the stretch, uh, he correctly pointed out about the 16th pole, the wheels just came right off of early voting. So uh, it was... A, you can make some excuses. This was his second career start, first time as a three-year-old, and it's February, uh, first time facing winners, first time trying two turns, let alone a mile and an eighth. You talked about it was a nightmare for the the figure makers. It's a nightmare for these horses. They're like, good God, why? Are, and then you're going to make us run just a mile next? Like, that's it doesn't make any goddamn sense. But that's aqueduct horse racing. Well, and the other thing you can look at, the only other horse that ran sub-24 in that opening quarter, constitutional lawyer, dead last. Came home in 29.7, 17.3 for the last quarter, uh, uh, 
He last... quit like three times in that race. He quit a lot. I mean, and, and so the, he, the, you look at what that first quarter did to him compared to what that first quarter did to early voting. It really mm-hmm. flatters early voting in that sense. Like, I agree with everything that Aaron said. Like, he didn't look like a, a, a lightning bolt coming home. He was giving up some ground coming home. But that opening quarter was fast. Like, when I remember we were watching it in the live stream, I'm like, that's too fast. There's like, I haven't seen that 23 and two at Aqueduct going two turns by five-year-olds who are decent horses. Like, that is fast for that, that distance at Aqueduct. Uh, Unojo, who uh, which is Spanish for one eye because he does have, he's missing his left eye. Um, he comes up and nails our boy Gilded Age. We have in the fantasy league for a second. Uh, Nick had a fifty dollars straight exact early voting over Gilded Age. That's really good handicapping, really good betting. And I'm very sorry. You can blame who was that damn horse that floated him like eighteen wide in the turn. It was one of the quitters. I can't remember. I don't know. I was it somebody, but it was Mike called it out on the on the show. We we're like, Gilded Age is moving, and then he just kept moving like towards the stands. And you're like, turn, turn, and there's a horse inside of him that uh, wouldn't let him. Do you have any interest in any of these horses moving forward if they leave New York? I'm just gonna pound my point home one more time. The bottom five horses at the start: two, three, six, five, four. Second through six: seven, ten, nine, eight, eleven. For him to go wire to wire, that like. It is that impressive. Like it, every other horse in this chart came from way back that came up in the top six. So anyway, um, I'm sorry. What was the question? <laughs> no, you pretty much answered it. You actually really pretty much answered it. And Nick says that if early voting goes to somewhere like the Bluegrass, which is where uh, Chad Brown likes to try and win 100-point preps, then he'll take him serious. If he stays in New York the whole time, toss. And it sounds like Chad is, is being a little more realistic this year than he was with risk-taking last year. And he's like, well, probably going to stay in New York with him. Yeah, I mean, look, he's a pace presence in my mind in the derby which is interesting because you don't generally see new york horses as pace presence so we'll see what he can do i don't see that like blistering early early pace out of california except for um except for forbidden kingdom who we mentioned earlier i i could legit see him on the lead which i think makes any horse dangerous especially if it seems like they can get the distance which i would expect he can they like that was a tough track to run over and Gunrunner Abit is now married, yeah, distance uh, as he continues to get older and I, this is a horse i said this about um Oh, shoot, I forget who it was. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we just talked about him. And uh, White Abario. White Abario's race day got better as he got older. I kind of want to see early voting not do anything much as a three-year-old and stay in training as a four-year-old because I think he's one of those horses that will uh, get better as he gets older. He's up here at 50-1 to 1 on the overseas odds. To me, if you like the horse to win the Derby, he's not going to go in the gate at 50. He's going to be a lot lower than 50-1, to 1, so there is value here. I'm not high on his chances, so I'm going to pass on this one. But... I would say, Mike, there's no like overreaction in the market to him winning the Withers. No, I don't think there was an overreaction. I think most people thought the Withers was kind of blah because the New York Circuit's usually kind of blah. But I, I mean, like to me, there's there is enough. I mean, look, that was more impressive on paper than I like. That was more impressive than I think people realize. And when you look at that chart, you can start to pick out kind of why it was more impressive and how he was able to go wire to wire. But it, it's so hard to read how that track is playing and how fast that race was and how fast that horse is early because of what a mess that track is right now. Uh, Derby Banda says that. Don't forget Big A has had some weird track biases the last week or so. Inside good, then inside bad, then good. Who knows yeah. what a trustable speed figure. This is why I don't like to play New York in the in the wintertime. I'll wait until Belmont's back. Thank you very much. Uh, and and he, he says, White Barrio 25 to 1 is worth a 10 to 20 future dollar bet. Go for it, man. Yeah, And, and Aqueduct was bad inside speed that day. That's the other part of this. So like it just so there's a lot of things that that you know I don't I don't really love early voting, but I can make an argument why that race is a lot better than people think it was. 
After this, uh, he actually has a, a uh, therapy session with John White and Ryan Stillman, who drafted him. Uh, Mike is practicing his, it's okay, come down off the ledge speech with those guys. Uh, Steve says, why do Clarivich horses' names have to be unassumingly profound? He, um, Seth Klarman is a, a huge hedge fund manager. So yeah. all of his horses, they all have that business. Uh, yeah, usually, usually head fund or, or investment. Yeah, there's, there's always some sort of thing. Uh, going on with that. Mike, we're almost done here. Let's breeze through this one quick because, I mean, it really doesn't deserve much time other than to discuss whether or not is Messier the best horse currently in this three-year-old crop. Uh, earns the best buyer figure of this entire crop with the 103. Beats the 102 that Jack Christopher got for winning the Champagne as a two-year-old. So, uh, based off the overseas odds, he's 9-1, to one, but he can't run in the Kentucky Derby or earn any points right now. Forget that for a moment. Is this the best three-year-old male in training? No. No, I probably have him in the fourth or fifth spot. I like wow, okay. this is this. I don't understand this 103 buyer at all. I'm not, I don't, I don't get it at all. But this was the sixth fastest running of this race in the last 12 years. So not like barely top half. Okay. Like I'll have another did this in 140 and change won the Derby almost two seconds faster. Um, so I, I just look, and I know that the track at Santa Anita has changed quite a bit and all that jazz. I get that. But to me, like when you watch the Bafferts that are dominant, they're open. They're clear early. They're not neck and neck with a couple horses, right? They're running 22 and change for low 46, not 23 and one 46 and four. They are, they have that, that deadly early speed. And then they run away from the field. This to me was, you know, just kind of kept going and I'm not going to knock him for who he faced. He looked great doing it. Um, the 136, 142 and four was good, was better than a horse that we're going to talk about in a second here. I, I would take him over a dare manner like any day of the week. She ran 130, 137 and had got stopped there. So like, I'd rather have Messier. I think Messier is a good horse. I'm not knocking Messier in that sense, but this, this number came back ridiculous to me. And I, I would have this horse probably fourth or fifth on my list right now. The, uh, there is a shakeup over at uh, RacingDudes.com. The Kentucky Derby rankings coming this week, as all I'll say. Um, that's a Messier Canter Kentucky Derby points uh, right now. And Chris actually said this in the, the ABR chat, which I thought was uh, very true. Uh, the Preakness, we're, this is going to be the best Preakness we've possibly ever seen in its 147-year history uh, because you're going to have like four absolute rock star Bob Bafferts because they can't run the Belmont at New York and they can't run the Kentucky Derby. But, boy, that Preakness, he's going to He's just um, – and I can't remember if it was you or Aaron just said, somebody said, just box them. Just put all five Bafferts in, box them. Oh, it was my buddy Dan. He said, just put all five Bafferts in a, in a super high five box and uh, you're going to go in the pretense. That's how you win. I think it's a lot more interesting on the Philly side that he's like, because if he can't run in the Kentucky Oaks, Echo Zulu goes to the Oaks, right? Yeah. Adair Manor goes to the Black Eyed Susan. Echo Zulu's up in the Belmont, New York. Then she's she's going to, or up in the, the uh, what's, I can't remember. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, the Acorn the acorn in, in New York, then she's going to go to Saratoga. You're not going to see them face each other until the Derby or until the, the Breeders' Cup at the earliest. And that's in Kentucky. So like you may not even get to see those two horses face off each other, which is what everyone kind of wants to see in the three-year-old class from a Philly perspective. Thank you, Chris. Uh, for a split second, I'm usually not good at guessing these names properly in the first try. I went and checked it because I, I thought for a split second, Aaron's going to scream at me in the chat. So, no, it is the acorn. Thanks for confirming for me. Uh, Nick, Nick says, I tried to beat Messier. I'll keep trying to beat him. I, I get if you tried to beat him. I said it on the A. I was the only one on the ABR feed. I was like, just like, don't bet this right. horse to win. Try and do an exacta. Uh, Cabo Spirit is a stakes-winning turf router. Son of American Pharaoh. $575,000 purchase price. Talented horse. Get your ass back on the turf. Uh, Victor Espinoza, though, I thought did a, a, the perfect job of keeping him in contention here. Uh, Wharton is the other Bob Baffert horse. He loses. He beat. 
This whole thing is weird because he beat a horse named Got Thunder in his second race. Armagnac comes back and gets third, uh, was third in the race, comes back and wins. But slow numbers, slow numbers, slow numbers uh, doesn't work out there. Uh, Happy Jack, eh, I don't know what's going to – maybe he could win a small stakes out in California. Yeah. Sir mm-hmm. London, this is a turf horse. This is absolutely a 1,000% a turf horse. I did not expect to see him quit as hard as he did, though. He, yeah, I mean, he hit a wall the- and just disappeared. The takeaway from this race is we're never going to talk about any horse in this race except Messier on the dirt again. <laughs> like, period. Game over. But we really shouldn't, anyways. Yeah, I don't yeah. Want, yeah. no, we're good. Uh, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll move on from here. Uh, pull up real quick. He is, just to show you, Messier, currently the 9-1 to favorite over Stablemate Corniche, 10-1. to Slowdown Andy is now 14-1, to and he got a huge push there because he beat Messier in the uh, Low South Futurity last time out, which a race Messier is at five career starts. He's got three wins. When he's not at Low Sal, he just doesn't like Low Sal. So I think we can kind of just say as long as he's not there again, he's got a good shot. Yeah, the the, the top three to me are wild that this is your one, two, three right now. I, I like it's wild to me because I, I wouldn't even if they even if Baffert were in the Derby, that would not like Cornish should not be 10 to one. That race came back that that Breach Cup Juvenile came back terrible. OK, terrible. Like it, everyone's losing out of it. Messier shouldn't be nine to one. He like no, and and then slow down. Andy's fourteen to one because of what Messier is doing, and like you said, Messier's zero for two at Low Sal. Well, he beat him at Low Sal, and didn't like blow him out of the water either. So like, yeah, I, the top three in this list are crazy to me. It's one of the reasons why like this is one of those years where I, I am considering putting a couple bets in this year because I feel like you're getting wild odds on a lot of horses that really should not be that price. Uh, the chat's a little mixed. Derby Band says he wants to see Messier face more than four horses, and uh, Archie says Baffert runners against five horse fields. I'm good. Uh, listen, I'm going to go with you with Derby Bandit on this one because uh, Aaron called me out. He said I was a little negative in my reaction that's over at the YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash racing. Just doing this thing now where we have the replays, but then you can see whether we're doing a live stream, you can get our live reaction to it and discussion in the moment. Um, I did it solo. I did it last night. And yeah, I wasn't that thrilled, but it's also, it's because it's Bob Baffert. Can't, and I'm never going to see this horse run against Premier Horses. I can't see him in the Kentucky Derby. I can't see him in the Belmont. It, it, that's what pisses me off about this situation. So, uh, yeah, it, that's what that's what just is. Let's make ears on it. I will give him credit. He can come from off the pace, which is the one positive that you can really say about Messier. He doesn't need the lead, which which is important because I don't think he's going to get the lead against this this field. So if he does end up in the Derby gate, he's not getting the lead. So he's going to have to be able to come from off the pace, more of a game winner style, except break out of the gate like game winner did not do in the Kentucky Derby. But you know, I just man, I can't at nine to one with the, the with the Everything going on, it just it's wild to me that this horse is your favorite right now. Well, possibly the favorite to win the Kentucky Oaks if she was allowed to run is Adair Manor. She, uh, a back-to-back, just complete airing of her rivals at Sandy Depart going a, a two-turn mile on the dirt there. This time she does it against Stakes Company. She pulls in a 94 buyer, a slight improvement on the 92 she had. Both times basically paid workouts. Both times Velasquez in the saddle. Both times Queen of Thorns has got some hype, but I think she's about four months away from being... You know her actual talent level is so. Uh, again, what did she beat? Uh, what do you do with this horse? This this California circuit is a, just a goddamn mess right now. Yeah, I mean, like I don't even know what to take away from this race. Like, okay, that's good. Grand fast, right. grand good, and, and like it's another one where she she beat nothing, and it, like she did the mile in one thirty seven, so a second slower than what we just talked about there. Yeah, I mean. Dude, I uh, game. I picked that horse to win the Derby. I was not happy about it. That break was so frustrating. The damn horse ran fourth. Like, it was clearly the best horse in that race. Um, anyway, uh, yeah. Look, we didn't learn much here. We just know we know what she is. She's the best California filly. Okay, 
next like we like and this is like you said this is the frustrating part we don't get to see because bob baffert's done what he's done we don't get to see him run these horses against other horses and no one's going to kentucky to face him why would or california to face him why would they so yeah it's just like who knows who knows how good these horses are we, we won't know maybe ever that's the, like it's wild <laughs> Which, can you think about from a breeding perspective what that then means? Like the owners are sticking with Baffert because he'll win these big grade one races, some of them, the grade one races, so they can go make these great stallion deals. But then how do you know what, how good are the stallions? Like they didn't, I mean, well, I can, the horse I can was never able good. to run in like any of the marquee races. I mean, I can tell you how good the stallions are. They're not. Name the good Baffert stallion. Ready, go. Right. I mean, when you look at what Pharaoh did and, and the he's best the Pharaoh is, is a turf sprinter. Yeah. yeah. He's the only one people can mention. Like that's, that's it. There's it's, it's the well is dry after that. There are no good Baffert stallions. Arrogate. We have some, there's like small hope with secret oath. She's the daughter of Arrogate. She's like the one holding the legacy. Gun. Well, there was, there was a, a horse on Sunday too. I think it was at, uh, um, let me see if I can pull this up real quick. Sunday at Gulfstream park, uh, in the sixth race. Oh, Chad Brownhorse that I didn't use the Stone Street the, rail. the Stone Street Philly uh Arab Arabatic yeah Arabatic oh, okay. um yes Judmont Philly um out of a madly or madly to Oro mare she was really impressive really impressive now we also remember Arrogate started later in his three-year-old season his huge race was the Travers we only had to saw him run really well for a really short period of time be interesting right. to see if like his two-year-old sucked because he sucked it too and maybe you're going to see some of these like this. You now you see a big time star from early three year old season. It's unfortunate. Again, it's tragic, actually, that we don't right. get to see any more crops from him. So really, there's really limited sample size. And information isn't really something that's actionable because we're not going to see this very often. But debuting at three may be a much better thing for arrogant babies than debuting at two. Uh, Nick brought up Painter, uh, probably because Painter is Nick's ghost sire. You need to have more than one horse to be really good to be to be mentioned here. Uh, Nick's go. Yeah, we we're not going to talk about that one. Listen, we're going to thank you, everybody, for joining us uh, right for this uh, edition of the Magic Mike Show. We're talking about the Kentucky Derby preps and, uh, and their manner. Yeah, that was, in hindsight, probably not the best idea I had to talk about it. But listen, good idea you can have. Go to racing.com slash sports. We've got free picks for all the NBA uh, and the NCAA um, matches that are getting closer to the March Madness tournament. Uh, the Olympics are happening, so the NHL is off right now, but you can still uh, no, come back here. Come back. Oh shoot! I forgot when um, they're not today. taking an Olympic break. It was just the All Star game. Yep, it's back today. Shit, I didn't set my fantasy lineup. Damn it! You can click NHL picks and you can see who we picked today. So if you want to like work on the podcast, just stare at your phone. It's fine. Damn it! You have All time. Right. No games have started. Oh, they haven't. No, my fantasy. I'll, I'll go. Yeah, I'll go fix it. Anyways, sorry. This is bad content. Sorry. Thanks for reminding <laughs> where I'm. Fantasy that means jack shit to anybody, including myself. Listen, go racingscom slash sports. Free picks. Um, we'll pick a good one. We'll go to NHL picks. You said they're playing today. Uh, we've showed this before, but it's really cool. Not just the photo of Sir Connor McDavid here, but all of the racing dudes team members' picks. If they remember to put them in, somebody forgot. Uh, you can see them right here. So if you want to see uh, how everybody sees the game, Mike is the hometown guy going with Carolina uh, against Papa Dude and Aaron there. But putting in all the picks here and you can see how everybody does aaron's overall season record always posted as well so go check that out we've got a lot of great stuff there racenews.com i talked about how coming up on the youtube channel they're all going to be live shortly these videos talking about in due time early voting white up barrio and the messier bob baffert saga this one was fun because aaron and i have spent about eight nine minutes just really diving deep into everything and uh how things have changed and yet how they stay the same so it's make great... sure you go check that out any other parting words before we get out of here mike yeah, well, we should we should talk about one more horse because I think this is interesting. Archie brings up Secret Oath. Ooh. Secret Oath, I think, is one of those. It's like a total wild card here because Coach uh -huh. is crazy, um, and so you never know what he's going to do. 
And I would not be surprised if the next step is a derby prep for Secret Oath. Because if I if I'm going to try the boys with her, I'm going to do it next. And then I can yes. go back and get points for the Oaks afterward. I'm not going to try and get qualified for the Oaks and then go toward the Derby because then if she gets smashed in that race, you have like you don't want her going into the, the Oaks off of that. So I would try and get, especially this year, if you don't know if Baffert points count, you're going to have a limited number of points. A, a, a you know if you have the, these were the one one prep races, then you have two and three, right? The 50 point prep races are right in the middle. Running second or third probably gets you into the Derby. So if you're happy with how she does and she runs second or third, you can then go. And move along and go, go go to the Arkansas Derby from the Rebel if you want. But you run in the Rebel, you see how you do, and then you face the girls on Arkansas Derby Day if you don't do well, and then you go in to uh, to to the Kentucky Oaks. So I think it's really interesting what you do with this horse. I think she is a definite contender to try and make the gate in the Derby. So Secret Oath is one that I would definitely keep an eye on. Thanks for bringing it up, Archie. Yeah, it's one that Aaron Haltman is, has loved uh, over at the channel since actually her allowance win before uh, back when she was still two. Uh, Aaron's been very, very high on her. And Bryland Farms, the owner of breeders, uh, fantastic story uh, about them uh, with their basically how they haven't bought a horse at auction in like 20, 30 years. It's just their own. They have four mares and they sell you know, sell one and keep the other three to they, to race. And that's just what they've been doing for decades. And that's what they've got now with Secret Oath. It's pretty, they also don't go for any of the flashy uh, big name sires, never like to an into mischief or a tap it. So uh, going with the arrogate daughter there. Um, hey, Chris says the Oakland preps have looked pretty weak so far. Yeah, I agree. And uh, to your point, Mike, if she gets, say she gets second in the rebel, Send her back to the Phillies. Get her a nice win, a confidence booster. Send her to the Derby. We're all going to pull our hair out because we're going to go, what the hell do we make of her? She went back to the Phillies. Now it's the boys. Think of the storylines. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to be bald by the time the race is over, but we'll have a good time doing it. But thank you, everybody, for joining us here. Uh, anything else, Mike? I, said, I didn't want to cut you off there. Nope, we're good. We're good. Uh, Jack Christopher, is he going to race again? Probably not. Uh, he's definitely not going to the Kentucky Derby. Uh, so if you were if you were hoping on that one, sorry. But hopefully we will see you back here on Thursday to cover a late pick four sequence. Follow us on Twitter. We'll tell you later which one we're going to cover. I am at Curtis Kelloward. He is at Samabom18, number one, number eight. Corporate Overlords at Racing underscore Dudes. Once again, thanks for joining us. Until Thursday, I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. Have a good week, guys. This has been a presentation of RacingDudes.com, your destination for all things horse racing and sports betting. Whether you want free winners, expert insider picks, up-to-the-minute trackside weather reports, or podcasts and videos for bettors of all skill levels, never make another wager without visiting the Racing Dudes first. Death, taxes, and Magic Mike on Monday.